Okay. All right. Well, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather together uh, to worship you and to open your word. Father, for we pray that um, you might uh, enlighten us uh, through your spirit to what your uh, what the passage has to say as we open up John chapter 9. Father, we just trust in you to um, might uh, just teach us what uh, what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, as, I, as we often do, we always like to kind of give a little bit of background and context to our, our message this morning. And uh, we'll be, like I say, looking at John chapter 9. But we'll back up, <clears throat> excuse me, back up a little bit <clears throat> into uh, John chapter 8. And uh, <clears throat> to give a little understanding of what's going on, Jesus <clears throat> is, um, is as, as he's been has been teaching his disciples. We're coming up on a time right now where it's the the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And this is one of the three annual festivals that takes place um, that requires everybody to come into Jerusalem. And so the city becomes very full with people during this seven-day, seven-day festival. And um, but just prior to this, as we turn back to we'll turn back to John chapter eight, there were significant events ahead of our our passage. In fact, if someone could read John chapter eight, well, verse twelve is one of the first things we take a look at. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, "I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life." So I am the light of the world. It's one of the I am passages we have in uh, in the Gospels, and uh, here we have Jesus begin to testify that I am the light of the world. So He's the one bringing spiritual light into a dark, dark world. Um, moving on a little bit further into uh, John chapter eight. In fact, let's uh, if someone could read John chapter eight verses fifty-one through fifty-eight. A little bit longer passage. Oh, can you keep going to 50, uh, verse 58? Yeah. Yeah. Yet you, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Well, the Jews were very proud of their ancestry going back to Abraham and uh, you know, claiming them as their forefather. Um, verse 56, 
He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see me, to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. I thought, here's the clincher. Verse 58 was, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus clearly testifies to his eternal existence at this point as a member of the Trinity. And did the Jews get it? Did they pick up on that? I think they did. Of course, what was the reaction we had in verse 59? It says, therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So they definitely got what he was saying because they they knew the reference he was going all the way back to. In fact, we're going to look at that a little bit too as we turn back um, to Exodus Exodus chapter 3. When Moses was speaking to God, you know, what, you know, and the question Moses had, what shall I tell the people of Israel that I spoke to you? And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, what do we have Jesus, uh, or excuse me, what do we have uh, uh, God telling uh, Moses at that point? The great passage, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I am who I am. Yeah. So um, the Jews, yeah, they knew where that was coming from. So, uh, so the Jews understood full well what Jesus meant by that. Well, now let's open back. Let's get back to our passage now. Let's get going into John chapter 9. Let's see. Well, there's so few of us here this morning. I don't know if, well, well, we'll do the best we can. If anybody would like to read John chapter 9, the first three verses. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Anyway, this is where, this is, this is, when I was reading this one time, this just kind of struck me in such a, a, a momentous way. Um, as we pause and look at this just a little bit. So here Jesus' disciples had questions for him. Who sinned? This man or his parents? Well, this question, I think, is intriguing because where is this coming from? Um, I, was, I thought about this. There's almost an automatic assumption, I think, for a lot of people that sin is behind uh, all, any kinds of calamity and hardship. So when you encounter adverse, you know, adversity or hardship, is sin always the cause? Excuse me. You know, it, it really isn't. It, in fact, um, maybe uh, as we explore this, we'll find that we'll get our answer to this, but perhaps um, um, so as we move on, in fact, I've got a passage I wanted to, to look at in First uh, Peter chapter 4. And... Uh, if we look at First Peter 4... Verses 12 and 13, I'll go ahead and read these. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. So Peter's touching on something here that, uh, and he's speaking to a group of 
believers that have been under some severe hardships and persecution. And, uh, and he says, don't be surprised when these hardships come upon you. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it's all part of God's plan. It's, it's designed for him to strengthen you and, um, and actually to help see his glory when, he, when he's revealed. So um, I thought, yeah, we're starting to see something about how God operates with, with hardships. And, um, and so I was just, uh, we just moved by the passage back in John chap- chapter 9 that, uh, yeah, sin often is not the reason behind any kind of hardships and calamity. It really isn't. It's so, and so I was just amazed by that verse. That, um, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So this blind man, now think about it, he's now an adult. Um, so let's say he's maybe at least in his 20s, maybe early 30s. Maybe I'm just kind of guessing a little bit here, but, uh, but his whole life was designed for this moment, for this event to come along, for the Lord to, to proclaim this, this, well, this, uh, this situation, that the fact that to be a platform for God, for Jesus to testify who he is. So um, it was just like, Okay, this is a this is amazing. This is an amazing thing. Um, so can so continuing on. So anyway, um, so you know, like you say, as believers, it's often so easy to accuse ourselves of some hidden sin that we believe might have been brought on by some sickness or calamity, or even sometimes others will accuse us. Well, maybe who are looking at our lives and saying, "Well, obviously, Phil, you're having having all these hard times because there's got to be some sin in your life." So. And we run into that because um, we, uh, um, as we turn back and look at the book of Job, but um, it's a great, uh, a great lesson there. In fact, if um, we look at um, Job chapter one, Job chapter one, verse eight. Job 1, verse 8. Um, what do we have here? Here we go. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Oh, excuse me, I back up one. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered, considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and, and running away from evil. Boy, what a great, uh, <laughs> what a great testament for a man... Uh, but, um, so I think that's a pretty, very impressive. So with all the calamity that was about to be unleashed on, on Job, was there any sin in his life? Not at all. So um, it's really a, just, a, it was a, just kind of enlightening to me to find out just when we uh, have hardships and trials, we need to think, that what, God, what, what's your purpose in all this? And so... Um, that's kind of where we need to go, I think, in our thinking. Well, back to uh, John chapter 9. Continue on. I don't know, would anybody like to read verses 4 through 7? We must work the hands of him 
day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. He said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? So anyway, here we have, uh, in this situation, we have Jesus. He spits on the ground, makes a little pile of clay, and rubs it into the man's eyes. Now, I, um, I was wondering, why is he doing this? You know, this is an interesting little, little process that he's, he's doing. But um, like so often in, in the cases of the gospel, Jesus is doing a lot of this, these healing situations are on what day? The Sabbath. We have the Sabbath once again. And, um, and I was reading in some of the commentaries about, well, by him making this mud or kneading this mud could be considered work. And so it's something in the minds of the Pharisees that uh, they'll look at this and go, well, he's breaking, he's breaking the law. So here we're setting up that whole situation again the sabbath breaking the law and all that and of course jesus healing another person so the man goes down to the pool of salome washes and comes back seeing and the pool of salome is something that's located somewhere i think in the southeast corner of jerusalem so a little bit of a walk was involved well now next we see the people's reaction Verses 8 through 10, and um, I'll pick it up here. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is it not the one who used to sit and beg? Often others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He, He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes opened? Yeah, that's the section we want to do. So um, we start getting the reaction of the people now about this blind man. And it's, I, I, what, what kind of struck me in this passage where you have a situation where the transformation in this blind person is so dramatic that some people don't even seem to really recognize him. This is the man that's, who's been the beggar, you know, and maybe the beggar, you know, he's been, like I say, he's a, an adult man, has been a beggar for many years. On, on this whatever on the street corner wherever he's been, that his his change is so so dramatic that um, he uh, you know for some people he wasn't he wasn't able to be recognized. So um, that's uh, I think that's a kind of a remarkable thing. Um, and uh, let's follow on follow along here and continue on verses eleven and twelve. He answered, the man who was called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. And they said to him, where is he? And and he said, I do not. So Jesus is no longer on the scene right now. He's he's gone away. So in this man, of course, he never would have seen Jesus because he was blind at the time when he rubbed, because he came back with his sight after he came to the to the pool of Siloam, so um, he never saw the Lord. 
Um, so um, it's, um, again, just kind of following the whole situation here uh, of how this, whole, how this whole thing plays out. Let's see. So now we have, like I said, now we have the man's testimony. Simple, plain terms of what happened. So we come now to where we bring in the Pharisees, okay? Religious leaders of the day, surely they must know, they must have insight into this event is probably what the thinking of the people are to, to bring them. So we'll pick up and look at verses um, 13 through 18. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was the Sabbath on the on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Again, we've got that in play, right? And then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And, they, and he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. This man being Jesus, okay. The others were saying, how can, a man also, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them, among the Pharisees. So now the Pharisees, they've got a problem on their hands. This man has been, has been, has been, been given his sight, but, uh, but they're saying, well, it couldn't. This guy, the man who did it had to have been a sinner because he, did, he broke the law. So the, the Pharisees are really having this kind of internal struggle, and um, I, I, you know, I just I, this is for I, I love this section of scripture because it's just <laughs> Jesus just he's coming and he's testifying to himself, he's doing performing miracles to the test to him as well, and here's the Pharisees they're just kind of starting to well come apart a little bit I guess um, I so. Um, So the man, so now the, uh, the Pharisees inquire how he, he was no longer blind. Again, the man gives a brief answer. He, okay, he applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. That's it. He said, that's, that's it. So this turns out to be, again, a very problematic situation for the Pharisees. So, again, why was that? Well, the problem with the Sabbath, there was a problem with the Sabbath, so Jesus was not from God, was their conclusion. Other Pharisees said, how has this miracle happened unless the man who did this is, was truly from God? So that's, that's, that's in a nutshell what the, the Pharisees are dealing with. So we have a division there. So, Well now, the next part of our, our, in our text, we move on. The Pharisees will now have their chance to question the parents. Verses 19 23 here we go and questioning them saying is this your son who you say was born blind then how does he now see his parents answered them and said we know that this is our son and that he was born blind but now but how he now sees we do not know or who opened his eyes we do not know ask him he is of age we will speak, he can, he will speak for himself. Let's see how far do we go? Oh, one more verse. Okay, verse twenty-three. For this reason, the parents said he is of age. Oh, excuse me. The parents said this because he was a. Fr- okay, verse twenty-two. Backing up here. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, the parents said, he is of age, ask him. So there's a fear right now of saying anything more than they just honestly know, and that is that um, he is, you know, he is of age, uh, ask him yourself. So, yeah, they didn't want to be put out of the synagogue because that was a form of excommunication at the time. So um, a very serious situation to be in. So, um, so um, let's continue on, I guess, verse 24. Pharisees, okay, excuse me, that's verse 24. Here we go. Let's still look at the. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Again, referring to Jesus. The Pharisees now bring the man back, okay? It's a second time for him. Give glory to God, and we know that, that, he, that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. This is something I think the Pharisees, what they're trying to do, they're kind of saying, okay, let's come clean. Give us the full story. Come on. Tell us what really happened. Um, so the Pharisees are just, you know, um, they, they're still being extremely skeptical of this whole account. Um, I think, you know, again, just uh, it's just interesting, just the reaction of the Pharisees and how they're just being so willingly uh, blind in this in in their in their assessing this whole thing. Well, let's move on. Um, verses twenty five through twenty nine. Anybody would like to read that? I can step back and have somebody read that. Verses twenty five through twenty nine. Anybody would like? So you have the man's second reply, and we're, you know, and, and and we have a change. We have a beginning to see a change in the man's attitude um, toward the uh, toward the Pharisees. He's growing impatient with them. He's showing us a, a little tone of irritation. Let's put it the in verse twenty-seven. I told you already. So um, honestly, I find myself just beginning to kind of grinning at this a little bit because of how the Pharisees are beginning to react and how the man's beginning to, to respond to the Pharisees. He's just, he, like I say, he's growing impatient with this whole situation. And the Pharisees bring out their typical stance. We are disciples of Moses. You can just hear the haughtiness in their voices. Um, so it's, uh, it's, so we have things just getting a little more tense between uh, between the Pharisees and the man. and uh, However, the man continues and begins to double down and drive home his point using irrefutable logic. We're going to look at verses now 30 through 34. If anybody would like to read that. Here's a 
know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-hearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you teaching us? So they put him out. Oh, it's um, So the man who was born blind can now see the blindness of the Pharisees. Um, he's, it's, uh, we call this, it's kind of one of those, uh, 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 what do you call it? I'm trying to think of the, the words escaping me, but uh, um, it's, it's just, it, again, I'm finding myself just grinning at this whole situation, what's going on. So, you know, the man's beginning to understand some things, and, and he's just, he's again, seeing just the irrefutable um, uh, blindness of the Pharisees in this whole situation. His testimony, uh, and, and, and just these, it's just, it's not getting through to them at all. Um, so, um, let's see, let's continue. Okay, finally, Jesus, yeah. So now we get to a point in our passage this morning where Jesus reaches out to him as we pick up in verses um, 30, um, 35 through 38. Let's take a look. At, I'll read this portion here. Jesus heard that they had put him out. And finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? So he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is the one who's talking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So, what a marvelous moment uh, to find that the Lord comes along and recognizes the man's state that he's in with the Pharisees. He's been put out. Um, and Jesus comes along at that perfect moment to, uh, to comfort him, to bring assurance to bring the message of salvation of who he is, to make it clear that I am the one, that um, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ. And the man said, uh, and, and I kind of like, I like the way, um, I like the way he responded in, um, in here. What's it say to you? And so when, he, when he was asked by the Lord, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? So he is definitely a man who is seeking He's looking, for, he's looking for an answer in this situation. And then eventually he says, he says, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. What, again, a, what a wonderful response um, when a person comes to Christ and, uh, and, and it brings about worship. I think this is a marvelous picture we have right here in our passage of, uh, of, a, change, of a change brought about uh, uh, by salvation. So, uh, it's just a, a wonderful picture. Let's see. So now we have a new believer in Christ, twice blessed, physical sight and now spiritual sight given to him. And we have, again, a, a final, really, a, there is a final commendation, a com, condemnation of the Jews at the end of this passage um, as we look at... Um, Verses 40 and 41. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things 
and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. So, um, again, just willful blindness, willful disobedience on the part of the, of the Pharisees. And uh, again, just in direct contrast to the, the work that the work of salvation done in the man who was blind. I guess, I, irony, that's what I'm looking for, the word irony. That's one of the things that plays through this entire passage. And uh, I guess, for, the, you know, for me, I just, I enjoyed that so much that, uh, that we see this, uh, this whole dichotomy side up. And it was just a, it's a passage that, uh, to me, has been a, a marvelous, kind of a, a marvelous section of Scripture that I've always enjoyed. And so, um, and just maybe this morning, just wanted to walk you through it myself and uh, and uh, share some of the things that I've enjoyed from this passage as well. And uh, and that kind of that's kind of the end of my my study. I wrote a lot of notes, but we kind of moved right along. And um, maybe at this point, I might any questions at all about what we looked at this morning. Well, I've got well, it's gone quickly, so. I thought I had a lot of information, but we, like I said, we traveled quickly. So, um, well, if there's no questions, let's uh, close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of uh, the story we have about the blind man. But the blind man, Father, you gave him sight in so many ways. You gave him physical sight. You gave him spiritual sight. You appointed this man to be a a very important part of your word, to uh, be taught to believers through the uh, generations, and to see that um, how marvelous you work, and that you display your glory in so many different ways, Father. We thank you that uh, it was something that helped reveal your son for who he was, the Savior of the world, Father. We thank you for that. We thank you for this time, and in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you. We've got a little extra time this morning. <laughs>